Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. It is episode 73. And uh, late Christmas for everybody. It's been an ice cold winter meetings and then holy shit. Preller does this. This is like the second time in the last, what, eight months that Preller's done something like this where in just a couple days, the entire team feels like it was just injected with cocaine. Like what the fuck happened? Where did this come from? All of a sudden, all at once. He just goes full Preller and like doesn't sleep for three days. Like just does crystal meth and <laughs> offers and instead trades. Of- Instead of playing Minecraft, he's making trades with other teams. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to talk about all that on today's show. We've got a guest, Joe Doyle from Prospects Live, who's going to join me to talk about the impact of all the prospects were, that were on the move because we sent out a whole bunch of prospects. And then, wait, I'm going to split up the guests a little bit. We have another guest who is going to be on our next episode. Um the Potter signed, you know, in addition to getting Snell and Darvish, kind of an under the radar move that people aren't talking as much about is Ha Song Kim, the international free agent uh, from Korea who was posted by his KBO team, the Kiwoom Heroes. We've got a guest who covers the KBO for ESPN. He's based in Seoul. He knows a lot about Kim. And that is Jiho Yu. So I didn't want to I didn't want to gloss over Kim. I wanted to give Snell and Darvish as much attention as they deserved because those are the massive moves that have just made the Padres and the Victor. second can't sleep on Victor. Oh, and, and my, our boy V Carantini. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about those two the most on this show. And then I wanted to give enough uh, attention to Kim, who's also, I think, a significant move. Um, he's going to be on our next episode and that's going to be either released, you know, right after this one, or I might just wait till after the new year. We'll see how it goes. Other than that, um, Damn, it's already 2021. How did that snuck up out of kind of nowhere? Uh, we're going to talk about all the moves. So first, Wade, give us a bet online read. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be on in the action at Bet Online. For game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It's too bad that well, I don't think uh, Bet Online or any of the other sports books that I'm familiar with, you know, that are offshore accounts do like trade bets, like betting on future trades, like where would where would players end up? That'd be fun to do. Is that just like at the sports books in Vegas? I don't know if you can do that with offshore places. Is that even at the, like some of they these have, odds that I see, it's like, who's actually taking this money? Where can you place this bet? Wh- which ones are you talking about specifically? Just like Tiger Woods, son that will <laughs> win a major before he's 24. Like you have to wait for that. Taking that <laughs> you have to wait 15 years for that to pay out. Right. Like who's taking that action? I, yeah, I, I like doing the season long bets, but those are hard. Anything longer than a season long bets. Like who has the patience for this? Like what the, what are we doing? 
So Great get into the get into the moves. Uh, ha Song Kim from Korea signs four years, twenty five million dollars. That was interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't think we were going to be that big of players for him. Blake Snell, who we both agreed that the Padres. I think we agreed. Did we agree that the Padres were probably not going to get Blake Snell? Yeah, I think we uh, we went the other route in our last uh, podcast. But yeah, I was leaning Sunny Gray. Yeah, I, I leaned Gray. Uh, but I, I before we even, I, I knew I liked Snell. We, we he's the Dodger kryptonite. He proved that in the playoffs. He's younger than Sonny Gray. Uh, I think we needed a left-handed pitcher starting in the starting rotation. That stuff kind of matters a little bit. It doesn't matter a ton. I think it's overvalued, the lefty-righty stuff from day to day. But I think it was important to get an elite-level left-handed starting pitcher. I just didn't think we could do it. Luis Patino, Cole Wilcox, Blake Hunt, Francisco Mejia, all heading back to Tampa Bay, who are becoming the East Coast, East Coast Padres. And now... Uh, the the pod rays is the new thing with the the, the Y because we've kind of blended into just one mega team. And then you Darvish, Victor Carantini coming over. This one I did not like there was a, there was a lot of talk of it happening. It got a lot of steam after the Blake Snell trade. Once we kind of relaxed and stopped sweating from the Blake Snell news, people were like, oh, you there's you Darvish is seriously being talked about in a trade of the, the Padres. And I my reaction was I don't think we really need him. This seems like we're going for double icing on our cake already. We've already got icing on the cake. We don't need any more icing. I'm good. Uh, I don't want to trade everything we have in our farm system because I feared, like everyone else feared, I thought maybe Campuzano was on the on the chopping block. I thought, you know, there's a chance C.J. Abrams goes. You Darvish is really good. Like, I don't want to have to gut our farm system of what's left of it to get you Darvish when I don't think we really need him. Didn't happen. We traded Zach Davies, Owen Casey, who was a second round pick last year, who we kind of liked, Jason Santana, Ishmael Meda, Reggie Preciado. And those are some really interesting young names, but they're also that. They're really young names, and they're names that are not top 100 prospects. They could develop into that. But if we're talking about ifs and coulds and exciting 17-year-olds, yeah, you trade those for you, Darvish and Victor Carantini. No, no doubt about it. Where do you want to start with all this? We fleeced the Cubs. Like, that was... Pre- you You always say Preller's looking to fuck teams over. He fucked the Cubs. That's all I he mean, wants to do. He's calling everybody and says, who who wants to get fucked? And then uh, so eventually, so, this is the market where everyone's ready to get fucked. And Preller's like, sign me up. Who wants to get... Let's do it. Exactly. Um, I mean, we kind of saw the writing on the wall for, like, we discussed. Uh, heard it here first on the podcast Snell or gray. And mm-hmm. we knew we were going to have to give something up. We, you know, let Patino go, but he's not a for sure thing. And Snell is a for sure thing. Patino, there's still a lot of reliever risk. I really like Patino. Some people have him in their top 10 overall prospects. Some people don't. Some people have him, you know, around the 20 range, but he's a really good starting pitching prospect who has elite tools. He's very young still has a lot of room to grow. And this this made sense for the Rays to try to get, look what they got back. They got Luis Patino. They got Cole Wilcox, who was a first round talent last year who slipped to the third round because of signability issues. People really like Blake Hunt. Blake Hunt's picked up a lot of steam this year. And I think some people are projecting him to be a top 100 prospect by the time all these new prospect lists emerge for 2021. 
Francisco Mejia is a change of scenery guy, 100%. Talent, I think, is still there. We've talked about Mejia, but it, it was probably just time for him to get out of San Diego. I don't, I don't, he's fairly young. I think he's 25. And as we all know catchers develop a little slower than other position players. Good luck to him. Good luck to Patino. I still really like Patino. And it's nice that we never have to see the Rays. So that's the uh, another uh, bonus for this is Patino and Wilcox could turn into pretty good starting pitchers. But we got Snell now, who's young, 28 years old, controllable. He signed through 2023. 20, uh, His annual average salary is $13 million. So the Padres were... We're talking about adding a bunch of salary this year in a, in a year where a lot of teams don't have the money to spend. Peter Seidler, the Padres are ready to spend. And it's not like we're going out into free agency and signing these guys for the Trevor Bauer contracts. Trevor Bauer reportedly slash unreportedly, if you follow Trevor Bauer, wants, you know, maybe $30 million in free agency f- per year for for now he wants a long term deal, which finally Trevor. But we didn't add that much salary. So Snell is very affordable. You Darvish is 34. He signed through 2023 also. His annual average salary is $19.6 million. The Cubs are kicking in a little bit, which isn't going to make a huge dent in the the average annual salaries. But those guys aren't super expensive. And then when you think about what the Padres lost from last year, it's names that you don't think about because they weren't super important to the team. Profar, Castro, Richards, Davies. Well, Davies is really good, but Garcia, Moreland, those guys all were making anywhere from, you know, kind of lower salaries to intermediate salaries on the team. And those guys are all gone. So the Padres added salary and they're talking about maybe $160 million total this year. That's not that much more than they spent last year or what they were going to spend before all the prorated uh, salary mischief that had to happen for the season to have for the season to take place. But you know what I mean? Like they didn't they didn't go out and spend. 30 million on Machado this year. They added some salary, but it wasn't outrageous. Without depleting the farm. Yeah. And they, everyone was, was kind of shocked by what they kept in the farm system. You saw Kyle Glazer retweet some stuff and you saw, um, if you follow fan graphs, you know, uh, Eric Longenhagen who runs that over there and Kylie McDaniel with ESPN, who is a former fan graphs guy. They're all pretty impressed with the packages that the Padres paid out because you know, look, you said the Cubs got fleeced. Maybe they did. But you, Darvish, a little older, a little more expensive, and the prospects going back, we're going to talk about this with Joe Doyle because he likes some of these guys, Preciado, Mena, and Santana. Not household names, but they're pretty good young players, and in any other system, these are probably top 10 players. But it's mar- So the, the, the prospect packages going back for these guys aren't bad, but because they came out of this system— and they're not Robert Hassel, they're not C.J. Abrams, they're not Mackenzie Gore, they're not even Luis Campuzano, they're not even Hudson Head. Like I'm, The system was so loaded that it's, it's just, it works for both teams. The Padres kept the top cream of the crop prospects of the system, and then the Rays and the Cubs, probably especially the Rays, got some pretty good talent back. Right. And this is exactly what we wanted from our farm system. Like, we're so loaded that we can we are able to go out and spend and get these guys. And that's exactly what we did. There's some concern waiting for. Yeah. There's some concern that now the system isn't a top, you know, two or three system anymore, but that's, it's a competing team. We're not supposed to have a top system anymore. Exactly. Why we had it. Yeah. It's either you're promoting the guys and the farm system suffers 
which we did with, uh, you know, a couple of years ago with Mejia and with Paddock and Cal Quantrill. But then you also use the excess to trade for things that you need. And the Padres really needed some starting pitching. And they got two. There's no doubt about it. These are two elite starting pitchers from the last couple of years. Blake Snell won a Cy Young in 2018. He kind of had a, a down year in 2019. What, what you learn when you're evaluating pitchers, not that I'm a, a, an evaluator, but what I read stuff, pitching performance is not always going to be linear. So we saw it with Blake Snell. Has an amazing 2018, kind of a bad 2019, really good 2020. Chris Paddock, we saw the opposite. He, his rookie year was really good. He regressed um, last year. We'll see, we'll see if he can bounce back. It happens with everyone. Garrett Cole has had really – go look at some Garrett Cole years in the past. He's had ERAs over four. Trevor Bauer. You and I were, were doing a little Trevor Bauer debate in our side Padres group where Trevor Bauer until last year was nowhere near a $30 million pitcher. And he had a fantastic year. Cy Young contender. He is going to capitalize on that. But just because he had a good year last year, I don't think – you know the value isn't what he did last year. It's the value projected forward. And it's not going to be linear. The pro- the progression of the talent is not going to be linear. You Darvish has seemed to turn things around the last, you know, uh, let's see the sample size here pitcher since the 2019 all-star break. You Darvish is fourth among all pitchers in war. The list is Jacob deGrom, Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, and you Darvish. You Darvish has been really good. There were some adjustments he made when he, uh, went to coming from the Dodgers, going to the Cubs, there were some adjustments that he made and it looks like the adjustments have carried over in multiple years now. And we're hoping that it continues as Blake Snell and you Darvish are roughly as good as they were last year. They can even take a small step back. Those are two of the top 10 pitchers in baseball. And then if you look even forward to next year, then you get Lamette and hopefully sunshine back. I'm a little worried. Yeah. We don't know what the deal is with Lamette. I'm, I'm worried that Preller is worried about Lamette because we went and got two starting pitchers. Yeah. And pr- but then, so, okay, he's out one year, look two years ahead now. And all those guys come back. That's an unreal staff. That's like if Atlanta he, Braves nineties. If he is out for the year, that's ultra concerning because he's already had the Tommy John. And if you go two, that's the track record track record for success drops significantly. I don't think we see Lamette. If it, if, for me, you you used to say Tommy John was a, a death sentence. Was that that sounds like something you say? It, two is yeah. the death sentence. Two is a death sentence. I'd, I, if he gets two, then um, anything we get from Lamette moving forward, I'd be if he contributes, I'd be happy. But two, I kind of have a hard time seeing him bounce back. But reports have been good. He's going through his off season training program, his his normal regimen. I'm still cautiously optimistic. I think that's the best way to put it. Fair. So with. With the prospects, I wanted to just touch on this again. Um, the the prospect clutching, the pro, you know, not trading them, being concerned that maybe the the there, there's two sides of this. Maybe being concerned that the system is not strong enough anymore to go do anything else that you need to do. I think Preller has proven, along with the rest of the front office, that they are their their best talent is finding international guys to sign drafting they've drafted very well that they, they've been t- they've been picking at the top of the draft but the guys that they've been getting later in the drafts have been good too the Padres hopefully will be picking late in the draft now and I mean look at the guys they've been drafting the last few years Cole Wilcox they overpaid third rounder Hudson Head they overpaid he's a third rounder Owen Casey who they just used 
in this deal to go get you Darvish second rounder. I don't think they're worried about restocking the lower levels of the farm system with lots of young talent. And this whole thing, I'm also seeing some things about, you know, are the Padres buying their, their team now? They're not homegrown players. Dodger fans like to throw in our face that the Dodger players were homegrown. Kyle Seager or Corey Seager, sorry, was drafted by the Dodgers. Uh, Clayton Kershaw was drafted. Bellinger was drafted. But Mookie that was drafted by them, right? Yeah, Mookie was definitely drafted by them. Yeah, go fuck yourself. I, d- <laughs> I don't think that's an argument that anyone needs to have. Like, oh, the Padres are buying their chance to win a championship. This isn't, that's not what you're allowed. There's more than one way to do this. You don't have to just draft players. Like, why is trading allowed? What do you mean they're buying their players? They bought Manny Machado. They bought Eric Hosmer. But this isn't the the 2000s Yankees where they're buying Gary Sheffield and they're, they're buying everyone in free agency. If you are developing your system with lots of really good, controllable assets in the minor leagues and you trade those pieces off and go get things that you actually need for your major league roster, that's not buying your team. And I don't know why we're having this argument. It seems like a really dumb argument to have. Why, why are both things not allowed? It's just Dodger fans being scared and trying to argue for arguing sake. There's no, like, let's not argue. Why are we starting arguments right now? Dodger fans, especially the Potters are getting a lot of attention and rightfully so the Potters are going to be really good next year. Spoiler alert. So I don't know why you need to try to dump on it. It, it, It's just not going to work. It's not a good look for you. If you're a Dodger fan and you're listening to this, like, yeah, you won, you won your world series last year. Um, Be happy with that and focus on your own team. Like we're, we're coming for you. We're, we're going to be good next year and for the next several years. So there's no, I don't, I don't get why there's arguments about trading for players and that's how you're going to win. Yeah. That's how we're going to win. Sorry about it. You know? Don't live rent-free in someone's head <laughs> and rent the shit out to someone else. I don't know if that applies here, Wade, but I like the, the effort. Oh, it and we got Ryan Weathers too. Jesus. We have so many prospects still. Exactly. Stoked. I'm stoked. Um, I think we covered everything there. Covered the, the salaries that I wanted to go over. Uh, the, the roster composition for next year. Brian O'Grady. Is Brian O'Grady still have a place on the team? No, see ya. <laughs> they just got him. I don't. I don't see. I don't see why would they would, that why they would dump Ryan O'Grady. I think he's going back to AAA. He's got a. He's got a clear waivers. I don't think that's a thing they want to do. There's other guys they can cut. Who are we? Who are we sh- shouting out in the group? Um, as guys that they can cut because there's a few. I threw. I'm just looking real quick. Uh. Oh, Trey Wigginter, RIP, Greg Allen. Those are guys that are definitely not, you know, long. Is Greg team. Allen on the 40 man, 40 man right now? I think he, I think he still is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's Tra- on. Trey Wigginter. For sure. I mean, there's, there are, there is some fat to trim here. Definitely. Trey Wigginter, your, your boy. I know you love him, but I don't know if he's, <laughs> I don't know if he's long for this world. Anyway, let's do our interview with Joe Doyle from Prospects Live. And then you and I can do. Locks of the week. I've had such a bad year, Wade. Locks of the week. You gave me super contest and I went two and three last week. It's been a bad year betting. I think that's a good thing though, because it was a shitty year to bet just in general. And the fact that I did bad gives me some confidence into next year. Nice. Only as good as your last bet, right? Better's bad. Yeah, well, we, we both lost last week. True. 
Anyway, here's Joe Doyle. All right, special guest joining the show. It is Joe Doyle. I wrote in the notes Joey Doyle. What that? Does anyone call you Joey? Why did I, why did I write Joey? <laughs> Nobody calls me Joey. Let's go with Joe for. <laughs> um, he's the MLB draft director at Prospects Live. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Doyle M I L B. Joe, welcome. Thanks for coming on, making some time out of your day. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a slow winter, and then, in typical Preller fashion. People in San Diego were uh, bombarded with an avalanche of emotions and stimulus overload. What has the the past forty eight hours been like for you as a just a nonpartisan prospect guy who's uh, just watching for fun? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, watching from afar, I'm a Seattle native, so I definitely have a pulse on on the West Coast. Um, I can't help but be jealous of what AJ Preller has been able to accomplish out in San Diego. I mean. The dream of, I think, any big league organization is to build a robust farm system through the draft and international signings. And um, the fact that he's been able to supplement that rotation with, you know, arguably um, two or three top of the rotation starters here in the last, uh, you know, eight months, um, not to mention with the Nelson Lamette and uh and with, you know, everything else the Padres have going for them, um, you can't help but be green with envy. Uh, the Padres are really set up for an exciting run in 2021. And then, you know, with Clevenger coming in 2022, uh, you know, they've got a nice little future ahead of them. You're a prospect guy. I'm a prospect mm-hmm. guy. We're, we're a prospect show. But, you know, when there's not a lot of prospect stuff going on, we kind of seep into just the mainstream Padres news. But. There's a fine line in the community, the Padre Twitter community, among prospect clutching and, you know, sell everyone to go win right away. Like we don't prospects are there to, to trade. They're there to bolster the, the major league system. It's, it's been a really fine line. And somehow the Padres were able to do both. They sold from their their depth of prospects to get some elite talent at the major league level and then didn't trade any of their, you know, one well, Patino maybe. Is uh was a top three prospect, but other than that, they they saved a bunch of their, their guys. How did they do that? Um, well, I mean, first and foremost, you have to talk about the market. Uh, the market is certainly depressed right now. It's it's a buyer's market. Um, we're just in a situation where uh, salary cap is being cut across the league. It, I mean, the Cubs can you point to the Cubs as the primary example but it's happening everywhere um mm-hmm. people are signing smaller deals there's one-year deals going on uh guys are being non-tendered kyle schwarber for example getting non-tendered in a year that he ordinarily you know would have probably uh, been kept around for one more year so i think uh, a depressed market with aj preller and the padres looking to capitalize on that and, and bring in as much uh you know world series ready talent as they can i think has been huge um but I, you make a, a really good point there at the beginning of your of your topic. Um, I think as baseball fans, especially when you are um, driven home the fact that world championships are won through the draft and things like that, I think as fans, we have a really hard time um, removing ourselves from the romantization of prospects because mm. uh, you kind of grow up with them, if you will, for four or five years until until you're ready to you know, put on your big boy pants and go for a World Series. So the fact that A.J. Preller was able to kind of stay away from that narrative uh, in dealing Mackenzie Gore or uh, dealing from the very top with the exception of Luis Patino was 
was a huge success. I mean, the marketability of keeping those prospects around, I think, is huge for fan morale. And, um, you know, bringing in the caliber of pitchers that the Padres were able to bring in in the main uh, in, in the mainstay, um, really just an impressive job. It seems like there were two different price tags for Snell and for Darvish. The, the prospect returns for both were pretty different. There, there, there's some sexy prospects going back to the Cubs, but maybe not names that a casual fan will know. And some of those good, that some of those guys come out to be really good. Reggie, Reggie Preciado, I really liked, um, mm-hmm. especially, but what did you think of those two different price tags for pitchers that are both under control for a while, both at the top of their game? Uh, Darvish is a little bit older, but th- why the discrepancy so much between those two prices and the, and the Darvish deal came second too. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think they're very similar pitchers in terms of performance and what you can expect to get out of them next year. Uh, You know, they're both solid number two at worst starting pitchers on a big league championship staff. Uh, I think the big difference, though, lies in in the leverage. Uh, When you talk about the Rays, they didn't need to move Blake Snell. They, you know, this was not something that they necessarily had to do. They would have Still had a hefty price tag on Blake Snell uh, at next offseason. Um, but with you, Darvish, you know, the Cubs made it clear, hey, we're, we're going to be selling. And uh, when you're cutting payroll and, and cutting guys like you, Darvish, uh, and you make that publicly known and Theo Epstein leaves the organization because obviously darker days are ahead, um, you are going to get a more diluted market in terms of what you can get back. Now, That being said, I don't think the Cubs did poorly here. Um, I know a lot of people like Reggie Preciado. I I like him as well. I don't think he's a shortstop. He's probably going to end up in a corner um, in left or right field. Um, A little bit of O'Neill Cruz in in who he is as a player, Uh, but there's so much growing that still has to happen. For me, the prize, there's two prizes for the Cubs. Um, I I thought Jason uh, Santana, I, I think he's got one of the higher ceilings in, in the class. I think he's a, he's a twitchy, explosive, uh, really just a compact uh, firecracker of a prospect that I think is going to move pretty quickly. I, I do think he's going to stay at short, which I think has immense value on the prospect market. Um, so the Cubs did really well with, with Santana and then Owen Casey. Um, boy, he, he was, He's a guy that didn't get enough publicity going into the 2020 draft, but there were teams all over him at the beginning of the second round and anywhere from that point on. So um, the Padres actually did really well to get them where they got him. Uh, He's a legit, you know, 25, 30 home run corner outfielder uh, with extremely loud raw power. So Casey and Santana were my two favorites. I do have... Um, you know, questions about Preciado's future home in terms of where he's going to be on the diamond. I like Ishmael Mania. I, I don't love him um, as a, as a, as an outfielder after what I saw from him in instructs uh, pretty strikeout prone. And then of course, um, you know, not to get too heavy winded, but uh, the Cubs, should, <laughs> the, the Cubs should be able to uh, flip Zach Davies uh, this, this, you know, all-star break. They basically have two Kyle Hendricks on their team now and, uh, he's in a contract year. So, no, I think the Cubs did well. And um, if they're looking to line up all of these prospects at the same time, be that, you know, 2024, uh, they're going to be in a good place. They only need uh, one or, you know, one of these guys to really pop as an above average regular to probably have, um, you know, pulled out even in this deal. Just sideswiped Kyle Hendricks for no reason. That's pretty, 
pretty rude of you. (laughs) (laughs) They're the same uh, game manager, if you will, uh, type pitcher. They're not going to blow you away on StatCast, but they're just going to, they're going to throw strikes and they're going to get outs. And, you know, that still plays. The Alex Smith of the baseball world. There you go. That's right. The Blake, the Blake Bortles of uh, Major League Baseball. Um, what did you, how high are you on Patino? He seems to be, of all the prospects that were moved, the by far the most um, prestigious, I guess. Uh, where do you see, how do you see him doing in Tampa Bay? Um, there are things I really like about Luis Patino, and there are things that I, I question a little bit. Um, the, the biggest question mark that I had about Patino coming up through the system, and, you know, he didn't pitch. To my rec- uh, recollection, he didn't pitch in AAA. And when he pitched in AA, he struggled to throw strikes. Um, that being said, he was absolutely dominant. Um, he was dominant at 20 years old. Um, he's still only 21, not even 22. Um, the actual archetype uh, profile of the pitcher, a guy that is shorter, that uh, you know lets the fastball eat at the top of the zone, um, and then kind of supplements that with uh, a lower release. I really, really like that profile. I think that's the future um, on the mound for starters in Major League Baseball. Um, I would like to see his arsenal change a little bit. Um, I would rather see a curveball than his than his slider. It's a good slider, but it doesn't tunnel very well off of the fastball that he presents. Um, I, the changeup has has shown uh, promise. That being said, I don't think he's an ace. Um, I probably have him as a high number three, low number two. And that's if he throws strikes. Um, there's a lot to like with Luis Patino. I don't have him in my top 20 prospects in baseball. I think he's about 27 or 28 for me. Um, but given his age, given his arm, it is an easy, easy 97, 98. Um, I think there's a lot to be excited for. Uh, that being said, I, there, there are still question marks and uh, there is still development ahead of Luis Patino. There's some speculation. I don't. I don't know how much of this is just totally fabricated, but that the the, the Rays preferred Luis Patino, and that's why the Padres were able to keep Mackenzie Gore. Do you? Would you buy that? Do you, have you heard anything about um, you know some some evaluators preferring Patino to Gore? And what what is the deal with Gore? We haven't seen him in a long time. He didn't get called up this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, are are the are the Padres hiding him, or or is like the book out that he's maybe not as dominant as a prospect as we thought he might be? Well, I, across the league, and it's not just Mackenzie Gore. Across all of these alternate training sites, uh, Velo was down for these prospects. They're they're very young, and they need a proper ramp up. They need to be able to get in their innings to you know hold that arm strength that they're accustomed to holding. That that you know across the league guys velo was down there were prospects that we did not see especially on the reliever side um just because you know velo was down three four five ticks and i had heard um you know whispers that Mackenzie gore's velo was down but it's not something that i would worry about 2020 was a very weird year um there's nothing more to say about it other than you know a lot of it can be thrown out the window mm-hmm. um now in terms of what the rays want I am never one to question what the Rays want. Um, they Sorry. like <laughs> they like to give the opposing team different looks. And if they felt as though they already had someone that, um, you know, could mirror what Mackenzie Gore was going to bring to the mound, be that Brendan McKay or anybody else in that organization, 
Um, they might want someone different. And I think that's where Luis Patino comes in because the Rays don't have a shorter, hard-throwing starting pitcher. I mean, I'm, I'm probably being ridiculously um, ignorant here. There's probably someone that I'm totally forgetting. But, uh, you know, Glass now comes from an extremely high release point uh, with huge extension, and he's a high-ride, fastball, big curveball guy. Patino comes from an extremely low release point. He's a riding fastball slider guy with a changeup. You know, Glasnow doesn't even really offer up that changeup. And then you got Brendan McKay and you've got everyone else that's in that organization. So it may have just been a case where the Rays wanted to bring in someone that was, you know, maybe equal to Mackenzie Gore, but an entirely different look than what they currently have. I saw on your Twitter feed, you thought the Mariners, your Mariners, might be able to throw together a package for Snell and that they were they were interested. One, why would Seattle do that? And then two, did Tampa end up taking the better deal, I guess? Well, let me preface this entire thing by saying mine was entirely hypothetical. I know that okay. the, Mariners, the Mariners had interest in Blake Snell. He's he's a Seattle-born kid. He He's from around the area. Um, I know that um, Jerry DePoto really liked the profile going back to his Angels days when that draft actually took place. Um, but that being said, I, I don't think the Mariners um, should have or could have matched that deal at this point in their rebuild. Listen, Seattle has one of the top five farm systems in baseball. I don't think anyone would argue that. They have a handful of extremely high um, high profile prospects that are about to break through and Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez and Logan Gilbert and George Kirby. I mean, they're going to infuse an immense amount of talent into the big league club this year. But I think pulling from the farm system before you, without a doubt, know what you have in terms of big league talent um, is how you set yourself back in you know a, a few years. You have to know that this is the time to strike. And that's what the Padres are doing. They know that they have an extremely talented product on the field. They're supplementing it right away. Seattle is probably a year away from that. Um, but if and when that opportunity comes next offseason, um, it would not surprise me to see Seattle throw together a monster package for a Luis Castillo or you know someone of that uh, tier to kind of put them over the edge as well. There's, there's going to be a lot of new names that hit the market next offseason there always is and seattle could and should be a player for all of those guys considering their current payroll situation and the dearth of talent that they currently have in the farm they seem like they're in the spot where the potteries were when they signed eric hosmer maybe or when they signed manny machado like they're just about to bring up all these prospects they're about to make some moves and then but the potteries went the free agency route you see the mariners maybe going the free agency route instead of yeah instead of trading from their stable of uh, high profile prospects I'm sure it will be both. Um, okay. the, the Mariners have a ton of payroll flexibility right now. I mean, uh, you see what the Padres are doing. The Padres are pushing a you know $150 million um, salary cap for next year. And that is bumping, you know, the highest payroll that they've ever had. Seattle has done 165 in the past. And this year they are scheduled to have a $65, $70 million payroll. So um, Seattle in any way, shape or form has the ability to go out and, you know, add 80 million, $90 million in annual AAV to their payroll when they feel the time is right to strike. Um, how they do that, I don't know, but I do know, uh, in talking with folks, you know, close to the organization, the, the possibility of them moving Jared Kelnick 
for example, for a Blake Snell or a Julio Rodriguez for a Blake Snell was never even mentioned. And frankly, um, as you go down the list, Logan, the Logan Gilberts and the, you know, Emerson Hancocks, I don't think realistically they were ever in any danger of being moved um, for a Blake Snell package. And that's why, you know, Seattle could never match anything like a Luis Patino package. It just wasn't going to happen. And if it did happen, it was um, blissfully stupid, to be honest. They would have been dumb. We'll get you out of here on uh, on this last question. Snell, Darvish, and then Kim Ha-Song this offseason added to the, what the, was already a pretty good Padres team. How do you see this team matching up? I'm, I'm only looking at the Dodgers. Tunnel vision on the Dodgers. How do they match up against the Dodgers if they meet in the postseason? Well, when you're talking postseason baseball, you have to start with the rotation. And mm. I can't help but think the Padres have the edge right now in, in the rotation. Uh, you know, Lamette is a legit one, maybe a low one, depending on where his command is for the day. Uh, and Darvish is a, is a high two. Uh, and then Blake Snell. I mean, we saw Blake Snell in the postseason. That was Cy Young stuff. That was ace stuff. So at worst, I think he's a two, um, given that he stays healthy. So you compare that to what the Dodgers probably have. A Walker Bueller, I think, is probably a high two, maybe a low one. Uh, Clayton Kershaw. You know, that's a tough one with how he's aging. I don't know how the body is going to hold up after a after a true 162-game season, but I would probably call him a three. And, you know, those are the top two guys. Um, Julio Urias, I think, is really good, and I think he could be, you know, special in the rotation, but he struggled when he has started. And then, um, you know, the, the elephant in the room is Trevor Bauer, if as it stands today, I would give the Padres the nod on the rotation side of things. Um, but if Trevor Bauer goes to the Dodgers, I, you know, the the power shifts again back to L.A. Uh, and then I would say that the lineups, the lineups are pretty close. I'd say it's pretty much a wash at the plate. Are you uh, on the Padres bandwagon yet or do I need to save a seat for you? <laughs> hey, I'm up in Seattle, man. I've been uh, the San Diego Vetter Cup sister. Vetter Cup rivals. Yeah, we've been smoking you guys. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's been <laughs> it's, been, it's been two decades since this team has seen the playoffs, but our time will come just like the Padres have. And, um, you know, it's it, it's easy to root for the Padres. Uh, they're a, they're a, it's a fun city. It's a fun team, fun players. Uh, I got nothing but love for for San Diego and the Friars. I had Ryan Dibish on the show, Seattle Times, Seattle Times writer, yeah, um, yeah, a few yeah, months ago. Enjoyed enjoyed talking to him too. He's a good guy. Said he played basketball with Preller a few times, so pretty jealous yeah, of that. Dibish is a good guy. Uh, I've I've written with him a few times uh, back when I was writing uh, in my college football days. Uh, really nice guy though. Uh, only heard great things about him. Cool. That is Joe Doyle, MLB draft director at Prospects Live, and just prospect. Writer, I guess, right? You're just a prospect dude doing prospect stuff. Just prospect amateur ball, man. Uh, college, college baseball, high school baseball, the MLB draft, and then of course uh, at Prospects Live doing uh, minor league live looks and scouting reports on that end. Cool, Joe. Really appreciate it. Um, talk to you again. Uh, maybe if the Mariners and Padres get back into any uh, more shenanigans later. <laughs> that sounds good, man. I'll uh, I'll see you and the Friars in spring training, and maybe we'll take one from you. All right, that was Joe Doyle. Appreciate the time from him. He was a good. I like Joe Doyle. He was a fun interview and knows his prospects and knows his draft stuff. We might bring him in, back in for some draft conversations 
this coming season. Anyway, Wade, we're doing lock of the week slash fade of the week. Do you have a lock or a fade? I have a lock. Take this to the bank. Wade's last pick of the year. There's no chance this is a good bet. The Washington football team. Minus 1.5 at the Philadelphia Eagles. My boy Taylor Hineke, the <laughs> Old Dominion University starting quarterback from 2011 to 2014, is taking the reins since Dwayne Haskins is probably playing WoW somewhere. But I saw it as minus two. You have a 1.5. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Washington football team needs this, a win in their in, and Taylor knows how to win. Uh, you know, if it was Alex Smith, I'd be with you. I think Philly's bad. I think Washington's bad. I I, I don't know. I'm going with the Jets plus three at New England. I thought about... Jets conf- three in a row? Yeah, I thought about confronting you with and take Philly and just go head-to-head with you because you're terrible at picking games, but I'm also terrible at picking games. I think the Jets... Have already, uh, you know, they were they they blew their chance at the number one pick. They're locked into two. They cannot move from two. Go beat the Patriots. They they are probably very motivated to beat. The, I don't think they've beaten the Patriots in the history of their existence. That's some hyperbole. Let's fact check that. <laughs> That's Jets plus three at New England. I think they're very motivated to beat New England in a year where New England's terrible. So Jets sneaky good, frisky. Pats, garbage, and I like the Jets plus three. I like them to kind of just win the game, but I'll take the points just to be safe. Fair. Good you, got a, you, you, got a pup, you got a puppy yet? No. Uh, end of January. <laughs> okay. Uh, next episode, we'll be doing Jiho Yu from uh, live from Korea. Or not live, a but real taped, from, taped from Korea. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter account at FireFarmHands. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You've been listening to the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I'm Ryan Hart. The Padres are good again. Go celebrate. That was Wade. We'll talk to you next week. 2021, baby. What you got? 2021, baby? Yeah. Toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. So I think we're just going to aim for the big cake, and why not? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.